Hello, and welcome to another edition of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I am Gib Gerard, alongside none other than the inimitable John Tesh. How you doing, man? I'm okay. I'm uh, all right. I, I like the... Uh, that's like when, when Howard Stern used to go, WNBC, you're going Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm putting a little pause in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, you yeah. got you to yeah. stay... You, gotta, you have to have your signature thing. Exactly. Yeah. In a minute, we're going to talk to Ryan Holiday, but author... But wait, but wait, but wait, wait. There was another guy who did this. It was in... Uh, uh, Robocop, and he went, I'll buy that for a dollar. Was that the guy? The guy, guy who ended here? up getting, yeah, getting, getting slimed. Anyway, go ahead, because this is exciting. <laughs> in a minute, we're going to talk to a frequent guest on our podcast, Ryan Holiday, uh, author of Ego is the Enemy, Obstacle is the Way, Daily Stoic, Perennial Seller, a whole bunch of different books. Uh, he's going to talk to us about, about the importance of applying Stoic philosophy to modern life, as well as giving us his personal reading list. Uh, stoic philosophy sounds a little bit boring, but it is actually a phenomenal way of viewing the world around us, and he's going to tell us why a 2,500-year-old philosophy applies today as much as it ever as it ever has. And I, I happen to love it. I've read a lot of the Stoics. He's going to give you some Stoics that you should read. Marcus Aurelius, perhaps the most powerful man in the world of all time, uh, the guy who invented Europe. <laughs> he, the last of the five great emperors. He uh, starred in Gladiator. He and was he and his son Commodus. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> was, I, yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. He was uh, he was a Stoic, and his book Meditations, which is all about his, which is basically his diary, but and but he uses Stoic philosophy in it, is is phenomenal. One of my favorites, and, we, and we're going to talk about that. But first, I have you here. How? No, you go, go ahead. We're going to say. I have to talk about Ryan Holiday. I'm okay. So go excited. ahead. Go I'm, ahead. I have not heard this interview that you did, but I'm so excited. In fact. How many, I mean, we did an interview two years ago. A lot has happened with this guy, this author, in two years. But there was like two or 300,000 oh, yeah, downloads. It's, it's definitely our most popular yeah, episode ever. Yeah, yeah. This is one of the, uh, and I've actually, I called him up. I became such a Ryan Holiday stalker. I told him how I was listening to Ego is the Enemy in the pool. I bought waterproof, a waterproof uh, iPod, iPod mini. Right, so I got it, uh, and waterproof headsets, and I listened to the book while I was swimming. It was unbelievable, but um, I'm actually writing in my book about uh, uh, about the obstacle is the way because yeah. because so many times now, right in life, there it, we we are faced with one big obstacle and we just cave like a cheap suit. That's <laughs> a mixed metaphor. Anyway, we cave, right? Right. But but they never did the stoics never did they were tough well the 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 point is not to whether you cave or not it's that you have no when something happens it happens right and then you have you have right. to absorb it's, that it's not why me right it's like well you can sit there and ask why me or you can react and do something about it uh, or accept that there's it's, it's very much like being an aa you accept the things you cannot change but there's strange to change the things you can the wisdom to know the difference that's the stoic philosophy in a nutshell uh, but yeah, if you want to see something really funny that has the word stoic in it, I'm just ruining your whole podcast. I'm it's sorry. Fine. No, no, no. So, something, it's, it's, something that, they, that it's really funny is is search YouTube for stoic plus Eddie Izzard. He does a whole thing about what happens if you poke a stoic with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a stoic. You should be taking it. It's really, it's really, really funny. Anyway, I the other great book for me. So those those three, uh, those two, right? Ego is the enemy. And uh, obstacle is the way, but perennial seller. Have you read that? I, I've read through it. I haven't read oh it. Oh my yeah. gosh! It's about how to create something that will continue to sell throughout throughout your life, yeah. right? And and and, and you, you're going to talk in a minute. I'm going to shut up. I, I promise. No, no, no. Keep I'm just going, so excited. Please. I'm so excited. But uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, right? He created a perennial seller. Two of them. What the biggest one is Hamilton. Obviously, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, well, no, it, Ryan was very gracious to give us some of his time, and I'm very excited for you guys to hear what we talked about again. 
you know, Stoke philosophy sounds inaccessible, but it is very accessible and its principles are very, very simple. And he's going to take us through that. He must like you too, because I got to tell you, he, I mean, he's, he does not like, uh, he, he doesn't like, not like wasting his time, spending his time on stuff that he doesn't consider valuable. No, he is very much, he, he's very regimented in how he approaches his time. And you can follow him, again, links to all of that stuff where you can follow him, his website, all that stuff are in the show notes. Um, but his, you know, his Twitter page is one of my favorites. It's the thing I retweet the most, more than I even oh, retweet yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and right now people who are listening to this are going, oh, is there a way to fast forward to this? I, just, can we just get to the interview? Yeah, we will. Uh, but first, before we get to the interview, I want to tell you guys that if you would like to see us live. Oh, by the way, before I even get into this. Happy birthday? No. No, it's not my birthday you're, you're, yet. You're like literally the midpoint away from your birthday. Your birthday could not <laughs> be farther like you were going to do my birthday. Go ahead. No, how is your book going? You're in the middle of writing a book for HarperCollins. I, I'm actually a seven-eighths, I think. Seven, they, they say I'm seven-eighths done. <laughs> I have a lot of stuff I still want to do. It's their call. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I, it's, I don't, I'm sure there are other authors. Like I'm not really an author. It's my first time. But uh, I, you know, I go in, in fits and starts. Like you know, I, I panic. I go, oh my gosh, i got to write. Yes. So, but um, the key is doing a little bit of, you know, every day. But I actually have some stuff to write about. It's not like I'm making up, you know, characters for a Stephen King novel. That's, that's got to be really hard. This is just, you know, stuff about how I got my job at CBS, how I was working on the Olympics, uh, how I almost lost uh, our house doing uh, Red Rocks and homeless and cancer patients. And so if people are going to read Those are separate stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. Homeless, cancer, <laughs> cancer patient. Well, that's terrible. That's worse than a cancer patient. Homeless cancer patient. Uh, but anyway, I, you know, my whole thing is people will read this book and they'll go, oh my gosh, I feel so much better about myself that I didn't have to go through any of this stuff. So it's a long way of saying I'm still working on it. Okay. Well, so if you want to watch John work on it and in, in, in polished stories, but they're a part of the stories that he's been working on for the book, you can see us live. John is doing a, a piano, a night of piano and storytelling. Was that what you, songs and stories? Yeah. We came up with a cute little title, songs and stories so, and yeah. the grand piano. Good evening. Yeah, good evening. These are yeah. songs, and, and I should have a British accent. I really should. And a, mon- and a monkey. We all think you should have a British accent, but unfortunately, and, and, you don't. And a monkey. <laughs> and a monkey. Just a little, just a, just a, a don't even reference the monkey. With like just have symbols? it, or, or ferret. Just have it, and that'd be like the Big Lebowski. Just yeah. have it on stage, never, but never, don't you ever, the whole don't, time. Don't, don't talk about it. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. Like people think it's about to be a part of the yeah. show. But I think I've been watching too much Norm Macdonald. I think you might have been. I think, I think, you, I think your YouTube history is influencing your freeform jazz version of the podcast intro you're doing today. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. So, go ahead. Uh, but bottom line is if you'd like to see us live, doing, telling some of those stories that are a little bit more curated than what he's doing right now, you can go to teshmusic.com. Uh, in about two weeks, we're going to be in Florida, Palm Beach Gardens, the Villages, Avon Park, Fort Myers, all throughout Florida. Uh, go ahead and check it out there. Uh, tickets are still available for some of those shows, and we will both be there, plus some of the band members. There's, it, it's a very fun show, and again, a, a very intimate, heartwarming experience that will literally, I've seen every version of your show. This is a very life-changing, very motivating, very inspiring version it. of your life. I appreciate show. it. People are like decide on a on a show, will you please? Why every I know. year you reinvent? You want to see the same show again? Yeah, uh, that's true. Including that's what's true. very popular right now, Round Ball Rock. You talk about how you wrote that show, uh, wrote that that song. Isn't that funny? That thing just keeps coming back. You it's know? a it's, very not to blow smoke, but uh, it's a very good theme. That was the theme that we. Uh, that's this. Yeah, right. that's what we we was for the intro. There, that's that's Round Ball Rock. It is the very. Most Sorry. famously known as the NBA on NBC theme song from the 90s during one of the heydays of the NBA. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal theme. It's, it does not get, does not, it gets a lot of credit and it's still underrated. 
It gets a oh, lot of very, attention. You're very, very kind. By the way, I think what happened to me today is I had that keto chocolate that you guys ordered, you and mom ordered. Uh-huh. It, it makes me nuts. Apparently. Yeah. But yeah. This, is, this is great. I love, I love the energy. Yeah. Good uh, so anyway, check us out there. And hey, don't take it down with this Ryan Holiday thing. Don't take the energy down, man. You're going to lose the audience. Well, unfortunately, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Ryan is Ryan. Ryan, no, Ryan it's great. is his own it's force. It's great, man. This is, gonna, this is awesome. And, and, and I love that you did this interview. It's really so cool. here is Ryan Holiday. All right. Our guest, obviously, is Ryan Holiday. Ryan, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you've written literally a ton of books. I mean... <laughs> Not quite a ton, but but yes, a few. I, your books matter in particular to me and to John and to a lot of us over here. Uh, I, I've read Ego is the Enemy. I've read Obstacle is the Way. Uh, I've started reading the Stoics because of you, and you wrote that that Daily Stoic that uh, Daily Stoic book, which is a collection of of wisdom from the Stoic philosophers. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's very cool to hear. I mean. I think as an author, you know, so many of us are sort of languishing in obscurity. We don't have any audience. And right. so um, I, I've tried to I've tried to write things that, yeah, that, that, that matter to people and, and can have impact and um, ideally don't have an expiration date on them. I mean, one of right. the sort of secrets of or, or secret advantages of writing a, about a 2000 year old philosophy is chances are it's not going to go out of style anytime soon because it's. <laughs> It's already out of style, right. right? It's just sort of perpetual and enduring, and and I think that as a creative, that's ideally what you're going for. Yeah, well, there's not a lot of dated Lindsay Lohan references in Stoic philosophy that just don't make any sense anymore. Uh, sure, sure, and and but as a writer, you know, those things are easier, right? It's easier to to reference what's going on in popular culture or mm -hmm. uh, to to write about your own experiences. Um, rather than trying to root it in something deeper and more meaningful, and so that's um, that's what I've tried to do with my books. Yeah, I mean, and they they are great. What what is it? Uh, the the one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today, in particular, was Stoic philosophy, but also some of the writing you do for Medium. But but what is what for our audience? What is Stoic philosophy, and what drew you to it? Well, I say in one of the books that there's probably uh, on the surface not a less unappealing phrase than Stoic philosophy, right? Stoic, <laughs> Stoic means has has no emotions. Philosophy means sort of boring, theoretical, uh, you know, sort of academic babble. And what's so awesome about Stoic philosophy is, is the opposite of what you would think. Um, it is basically a sort of practical discipline uh, philosophy in the ancient sense that that describes to you how to live. You know, my sort of definition of Stoic philosophy is is that the Stoic believes they don't control the world around them, but they control how they respond. And Stoicism is sort of a framework for how to respond. And it's simple and it's straightforward. That doesn't mean it's easy, but it's simple and straightforward. And you know, sort of the list of Stoic practitioners is pretty impressive. You have right. Marcus Aurelius, who's the emperor of Rome. You have Seneca, who's one of Rome's most famous playwrights. You have Epictetus, who was a, a, a slave. You have Cato, who was um, the, the man who challenged Julius Caesar when he tried to turn Rome in, uh, away from being a republic. And so it's, it's, a, it's basically a, philosopher, a philosophy for doers. And I think that's why it's endured throughout history so well. Well, I mean, when you you name those people, all of a sudden you've got 
the people that laid the foundation for thought of all of Western society for the last 2000 years. Yeah. And, and again, they weren't, you know, Aristotle did that as well, but Aristotle's also a genius and it's very sort of, uh, complicated and and difficult to wrap your head around you know stoicism is basically just these sort of four simple virtues it's it's like sort of prudence uh justice fortitude and temperance so basically like wisdom morality courage and moderation and so it these are these are words that we understand we know right. what they mean we 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 know what they're asking us to do um, and so it's it's, again, I think much more accessible than, you know, basically any other philosophical uh, school or, or way of thinking. OK, so that brings me to a great point when you're talking about. Well, I think it's a good point, but you're talking about <laughs> this idea of uh, of stoicism, its four pillars of virtue and how essentially it's about how you react to to the world around you. Uh, and instead of letting it affect you and, and, uh, instead of letting it affect you in a negative way, it's about reacting in a positive way. And you wrote an article, you've written a lot of great articles for medium. And for those of you guys that aren't on medium, I can't recommend it enough. There's a lot of great people writing great stuff on that. Um, uh, you wrote the, the, how to recover when the world breaks you. And one of the quotes you brought up is, uh, uh, the world breaks everyone. And afterward, many are strong at the broken places but those that will not break, it kills. So basically, you're saying you got to be broken at some point. Sure. I mean, look, life is very, very hard. Um, it's harder for some of us than others. We we don't get to choose the kind of adversity that we go through. Right. But it's tough. You know, that that quote is from Hemingway. It's it's uh, one of his most beautiful novels. And it, it comes at the end when um, you know, his he loses basically his wife and, and child. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about how these, you know, there's that's a fact that happened. And so how does one respond when life just sort of lays us out, whether you find out someone stole all your money, whether, you know, a loved one gets a cancer diagnosis, whether the manuscript you slaved over was just, you know, eaten by your computer it happens. Right. Mm -hmm. And and what the stoic says is, you know, don't be anxious about that happening because it's going to happen. Don't be worried about that happening because worry's not going to do anything about it. Don't regret it when it happens because regret doesn't change it. The only thing you can focus on is what are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond? Um, how are you going to um, survive and endure uh, this? Or how is this going to transform you for the better in one way or another? And so, you know, Marcus Aurelius's line is that, you know, the impediment to action advances action, what stands right. and maybe comes away. And really what he's saying by that, and, and I based Which, by the way, the you turned into The Obstacle is the Way, one of your best-selling books. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, that that's, that's what he's saying. What he's saying is, look, we don't, things are going to happen. Uh, and, and what we do with it is really what's important. And so, that basically any and every opportunity or sorry, any and every situation, including obstacles, is an opportunity to practice that virtue. Right. Uh, sorry, a virtue. Maybe it's not the one we intended to practice, right. but it's an opportunity to practice virtue. Nevertheless, you have to fire someone. OK, is this a You know, this is presents a, 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 a various uh, number of paths you can go down. 
each one, um, depending on who you are and what you've gone through in your life, is a chance for you to practice or improve at something that you're probably not naturally good at. Right. And I think to your point, what you would say, well, or what Hemingway is saying with this is that for those of us that are feel like it's just too much and it's going to kill us, uh, you've got to find a way to break and then practice a virtue around it, correct? Yeah, look, if you think you can, if you think you're so strong and so brilliant and so tough that you can bend the world to your will, I'm not saying that won't work for you for a time, mm-hmm. right? And, and and perhaps it might work all the time, but at some point, eventually, you know, you bump into the immovable object. So, something is sort of so profoundly difficult or tough or unexpected that it breaks you. And so basically, this, I think the Stoic philosophy is this idea of sort of bending and not breaking. It's how are we accommodating ourselves to these things and being improved by them rather than trying to, you know, like if let's say you grew up in uh, a form of poverty. And so you now think if I can just make money, if I can just have so much money, I'll never have to feel that way again. Right. Right. So you dedicate yourself, you become a billionaire, you become powerful, you do all these things. Eventually, something's going to happen in your life that's going to pierce this illusion you've created for yourself that wealth is security because it's actually not. Right. And so I, I think what the stoic approach is, is sort of being very realistic about things, being really understanding what's at the core of, of what we feel and why we feel it. And then again, focusing always on on sort of adapting to the world rather than being so delusional and egotistical that we can we can adapt the world to ourselves. And, and have you found that you're able to actually apply that in your life easily or is that a struggle on a daily basis? Because it sounds great. It just sounds really hard. Well, I think the operative word in what you just said is easily. And so to that, I would say the answer is definitively no. I think this is extraordinarily difficult, but it is something I'm sort of constantly working on. Um, you know, and it, one of the so look, one of the most important exercises in stoicism is this sort of distinction between what's in our control and what's not in our control. And I'll mm-hmm. give you an example that just happened to me about a week ago. So uh, one of my books, I wrote this book called Ego is the Enemy, and we did this cool promotion for it. I had this idea of discounting it, and then we partnered with a bunch of people to promote the discount. Um, this is a two-year-old book uh, that that ended up having probably its, maybe its second best sales week ever uh, last week. And so one Congratulations. would think- Thank you. And what one would think you would pull up you know, the bestseller list and your book would be there, right? You've done, you've, you've, you've done the work. You had a book that, uh, resonates with people. You pulled out all the stops objectively. You sold enough copies to get there and then you open the paper and it's not there. Right. And so, um, this, if you, if you go into the world thinking that the world is always fair, that you get what you deserve, that things are rational and objective and simple. Um, that's, that's the kind of thing that disappoints you, that makes you mad or can make you bitter. But I, I, when I go into something like that, I go, okay, what, what part of this is in my control? The book that I wrote is in my control. The promotion is in my control. The effort that I put into it is in my control. And then everything else is outside. The results are outside of it. Mm-hmm. So when, when the results came in and they were good, I, I tried not to get too excited about it. I right. tried to just say, 
hey, this is this is just an objective number. This doesn't say that I'm a good person or a bad person, that I'm famous or unfamous, that I'm rich or poor. It's just a number. And it's it's good that the number is higher than expected, but it's just a number. And then when I open the paper and it's not in its spot on the bestseller list, it's mysteriously not there, I I also get to say the same thing to myself. This doesn't say anything about you as a person. This is neither fair or unfair. This is just an objective fact. Now let's move on and focus on what you control, which is, you know, I've got a deadline on my next book. Right. And instead of exerting energy or resentment towards this thing that was not in my control, I'm going to direct my energy towards writing my next book as good as I possibly can, because that's in my control. Yeah. And you wrote an article recently that really underscores that your work is the only thing that matters uh, for me. Again, for Medium, if you guys aren't on Medium, you need to be. It's a fantastic place to read what your favorite authors are writing when they're not writing. Read from authors you've never heard of. I love the I love the platform. But you were talking about you use the anecdote of a comedian who is trying to get advice for how to grow their career from Jerry Seinfeld, and his advice was very similar to what you just said. It was basically only work on what you can control and what you can control is your act and it needs to be better. Yes. Yes. And, and I think, you know, prematurely we often go, okay, I got that under control. It is as good as what it can be. I did put in all the work. So why am I not getting the success? Right. But if we step, if, if you were talking to someone else who said that to you, you would say, uh, but what about this, this, and this, there's right. all these things that you could be better and do. And so, yeah, right. uh, like this idea of focusing on what you control, it's not only a recipe for sort of personal sanity, um, but it's a resource allocation hack, right? So most of the time, and for most people, we exert energy on things that are not under control. So we're either, like if you think about anxiety and worry, right? this is throwing energy at the future, right? If we think about regret or embarrassment or right. shame or anger, this is emotion that we are throwing at the past. And at that comes at the expense of what you could be doing in the present moment. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, and that sort of flies, you know, this, this idea of the Stoic philosophy really flies in the face of what modern society is headed towards. This, uh, this sort of fame without excellence style that, that is so popular right now with influencers, et cetera. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, look, the, the benefit of the Internet is that it makes sort of marketing and publicity and getting attention easier than before uh, than ever before. The problem is it's still really hard to do good work. Right. And so you how do you how do you find how did you find the stoic philosophy, this idea of letting the things go that you can't control, of focusing on the work itself, on being excellent how did you find that in the chaff that is the internet at this point? I mean, I think when you really think about the people you admire, when you think about really either successful people or, you know, uh, you know, sort of admirable people, they, they do share that trait. You know, it's like you see Bill Belichick and he's, you know, you're asking him about whether it's a win or a loss. And he's saying, you know, we're on to Cincinnati. Um, when, when you, when you talk to old people, they're, they're not dwelling on the past or anxious about the, the future. They've come to sort of take things, you know, sort of a day at a time. There's a guy who lives down the street from me. He's 100 years old. And I asked him once, uh, you know, how, how do you get to be 112? Do you take it day by day? 
And he said, you know, at 112, I take it day by night. Um, and, and it's the same idea. It's like, it's about being present. It's about focusing on what you control. It's about sort of keeping an even keel. Um, again, because this is about sort of personal sanity and health and, and, and healthiness, but it's also just about resource allocation. And if you can master this, um, it, it frees up an incredible amount of sort of energy and, and potential energy towards what, what actually matters. And and what would you say is the thing that actually matters? Well, I think what actually matters is is sort of what you do in your life, right? Like what, whether that's uh, the time you spend with your family, whether that's the good that you do in the world, whether that's the potential that you were born with that you're fulfilling, you know that that's the stuff that that matters. Yeah. I what? Okay. So you you read a lot of books. Not to this, I try. Right. Uh, and that's a that's spending a lot of time with other people's opinions. Why do you think reading books is valuable, especially in the context of what you just described of focusing your energy on what matters? Well, I don't read a lot of books about people's opinions for the most part. I mean, like I I try to read books about history. I try to read biography. I try to read philosophy. I try to read things that make me a better person mm. that that give me insights or um, understanding. Uh, that allows me to do what I do. You know, there's a, a great quote from Otto von Bismarck where he said, you know, any fool can learn by experience. I prefer to learn from the experiences <laughs> of others. Yeah. Um, you know, history is the recorded experiences of people who were smarter than you, who went through worse things than you, who experienced greater successes than you. The idea that we would try to learn all this on our own when smart people have written down well, over the last 5,000 years, someone has almost certainly gone through whatever it is that you and I are going through at any time in our lives. Mm. And so the idea that we would not avail ourselves of that knowledge to me is, um, you know, silly. And I, I, I read a lot of books. What I don't do is watch a lot of news. I don't get in a lot of pointless discussions on the Internet. You know, <laughs> when, when I read something I disagree with, I don't let it make me angry. You know, I try yeah. I, I try not to get sucked into this you know, sort of whole, but, um, uh, I, and, and I think books, particularly older books, classic books is, uh, is a way to do that. Well, hey, because again, you're not going, you're not going to have the same emotional reaction to, even if it's identically the same, what politics is going through in ancient Rome, it's not as visceral for us. And so we're able to sort of read it at an arm's length as opposed to reading in the news today. Right. That, that's exactly right. And look, there's an, there was a piece in the New York Times book review uh, today called What Did Thucydides Know About uh, America? And so this is a Thucydides wrote History of the Peloponnesian War 2,500 years ago. So on the one hand, he knew nothing about America. And yet it's remarkable that you can read this classic text about a war between Athens and Sparta and learn so much about American politics, mm -hmm. about uh, you know the tensions between America and China or America and Russia, um, that you can learn all these timeless lessons about about power and persuasion and and loss and uh, honor and dignity. You know, like that to me is the joy of reading is discovering timeless truths about the human experience that again are put to some positive use here in the present moment. It's not about memorizing trivia 
but it's about learning to then put into action. Right. It's so you, it's really about the, the and that actually you wrote a great article in Medium uh, about <laughs> I know I keep doing this, um, yeah. but you I'll wrote a great it. article about how to read above your head. Yes. Um, explain one. Explain what that means to read above your head and, and why it's important. Well, look, uh, I, I dropped out of college. I don't consider myself to be a particularly sort of naturally gifted person as far as intelligence goes. It was hard for me to pick up a book like Thucydides. I mean, I probably I I was only recently uh, that I realized that it was pronounced Thucydides. I thought it was Thucydides. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I read it without the help of a college professor. It wasn't assigned reading. It's a 800 page book. It's not easy to read. Um, so it was a struggle, but obviously one, anyone who, who works out knows that you get stronger by lifting, uh, your, by heavy weights and pushing yourself. But, um, to me, I sort of, I have a system for how I read, you know, I take notes on everything I read. I look up words that I don't know. I spoil the ending on a book. You know, I read the Wikipedia page for the book first, figured out the main steps of events. You know, I looked at, I laid out a map. I tried to wrap my head around all of it. So then when I was reading, I was never thinking, man, what the hell is happening? Like, I right. have no, like, what is this? Right. Um, and, and so, you know, again, I approach reading as as a discipline, as something that is a lot of work and requires an investment. And uh, if you don't put the time in, you're not going to get the benefits out. OK, so you you read a lot. You try to avoid modern or the modern news. But you've been recently kind of sucked into a little bit of politics and we don't have to talk about the actual politics of it but people okay. on twitter are trying to get and they keep tagging you in it trying to get trump to read ego is the enemy uh yeah no i did hear a story that uh someone who's a big fan of my books had sent uh some copies of it to a to a, a well-connected member of of trump's uh administration and they try to send him the book and uh, they uh, apparently, and I think this goes to our point, though, was that um, he doesn't read. Um, it, Trump Trump prefers to get a one-page memo every day of the entire world situation, and he likes to see his name in it a lot. So again, not making a political statement, but I think objectively, if I was to tell you that that's what Obama did, or that that's what Hillary did, um, or if that's what uh, George Bush did, you would go, that's not a great way to understand what's happening in the world. And, you know, there's a great line from Epictetus that I have, and he goes, the enemy, he says, it's impossible to learn that which you think you already know. And so, look, I think the job of a leader is to be humble, to be open-minded, um, to uh, react on facts, uh, not emotions, and to react um, on information and not on preconceived notions. And so objectively, Trump has had trouble uh, in office because that very much goes against his sort of natural uh, instincts. But I would say personally, I try to follow uh, the news as little as possible because not only am I not super pleased with how things are going, but I also understand that the job of the news media is to make you consume more news. Mm -hmm. It's not 
it's if the if the media's job was to inform you, they would run. They would put themselves out of business. Right. Their their job is to get you addicted to the news ticker at the bottom of the screen and make you tune in constantly and make you outraged and upset so you don't change the channel. And so I, I try to opt out of that manipulation as much as possible. So how are you aware of what's going on in the world if you're avoiding the standard news? Um, look, I, I do read things, I, but I try not to read breaking news. I try to read outside the context of you know, my computer when I'm supposed to be working. Um, I try to have conversations with smart people. I try to read books. Um, the truth is, if you even if you are actively avoiding the news, the important news will still get to you. Um, so it's not like I'm living in a cave somewhere, right. but what I'm not, what I, what I don't want to do is like, okay, for instance, and again, this is getting a little political, but, uh, I see that the headlines for it. So it's like the news this week was that Trump may put forward an executive order, uh, that bans birthright citizenship, right? right? He may do this and it, but if you think about it, an executive order is one, something that voters have zero control over. And two, he hasn't done it yet. So the discussion of whether he may or may not and what it may or may not mean is completely pointless. So I might have a strong opinion about what that means, and there might be a course of action if it in fact happens. But what I don't do is consume a lot of news or talking heads debating about whether it may or may not happen and what it may or may not mean if it does happen. So it's like, Again, this is a less political example, but like if you like sports, watching football, wa watching football on Sunday is great. Right. Watching the injury reports about whether Tom Brady is going to play or not is completely masturbatory and pointless. <laughs> right. Because he's either going to play or not. And uh, it has no effect on your life, whether he is or isn't, nor can you influence that. There's, one way or another there's no so sense in, well, in playing schrodinger's quarterback exa that's exactly no, that's a great analogy that is exactly what most of us are doing and it feels like we're participating but we're actually being deceived like it it feels like you're having a good time in a casino but you're really being tricked into giving someone your money for nothing in return right, right? that's that's the genius of their business model and that is, in fact, how the news media works as well. It makes people who are bad at math seem like they're having fun. Yes. And there's a reason that there's no clocks, that it's the temperature is at the perfect number, yeah. you know, that they're giving you free drinks, uh, that the waitresses are wearing this outfit as opposed to that outfit. This is all meticulously choreographed to manipulate you. And so, by the way, is the MSNBC broadcast and the Fox News broadcast and the CNN broadcast. Right. Uh, and so is NPR, right? All of it. Right. So I opt out. Well, okay. So you, all right. So we're, we're getting to the end of this. I, yeah. I totally understand your point. It's harder to do, but that's a great practical example of applying stoic philosophy to modern day life. Let's pivot to a okay. couple of takeaways. Yeah. Uh, what one book do you think everybody should read? And it can be one. It doesn't have to be one of yours. I'm going to put links sure. to all of your books in the show notes. People will be able to follow up with Ryan Holiday. Uh, I've I've read Ego is the Enemy, Obstacle is the Way, and part of the um, the the Daily Stoic. Um, I haven't finished it because I do it every day. Uh, right. But, but what other book 
should people so be? I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have picked one of my own books anyway. So Good. Um, <laughs> that would have been weird. Um, if if someone wanted an introduction to Stoicism, I, I think you know Penguin has a wonderful translation of of Seneca called "On the Shortness of Life." And it's a collection of, I think, three or four of his best essays. And they're just exquisitely written and sort of will shake the ground that you think you stand on uh, about life and about what's important and about, uh, you know, how we comport ourselves. So so that would certainly be one, you know, in terms of understanding how the world works. I think uh, everything that Robert Greene has written, uh, you know, he has a new book called The Laws of Human Nature, which is fantastic. And uh, and but but his sort of masterwork is is the 48 laws of power. Yeah. You know, I, I think people need to have an unflinching, very real understanding of how the world works. So I'd probably start with one of those. Um, but, it, you know, it's very hard for me to, to nail it down to just one or two books. I, I carry um, Marcus Aurelius's meditations with me ev- literally everywhere. I really? Go. I That's do. That's incredible. And I, and I read it on the airplane a lot. I reread sections. And I have gotten more conversations started on airplane flights by reading it with, with people next to me than uh, any other book I've ever read. Well, that's amazing. And so if people do want to check out Marcus Aurelius, I, I recommend the Gregory Hayes translation. That's a, it's for the definitely, definitely easier to read. It's got the, um, it's got like a feather on the cover, right? It has a feather on the cover. It's black at the newer, the newer version of it. Um, I don't know if there's an ebook or not, but yeah, the the translations that you get of these ancient works, um, you get what you pay for, right? So don't get the free one on the internet. Uh, you know, don't just pick up the ran the the cheapest one on Amazon. Um, you know, the, these these books uh, need to be updated and adjusted for every subsequent generation. And so I think the Gregory Hayes translation is just spectacular. Okay, well, I I'll put links to all of those books in the show notes. One final thing. Right. What is something that people can do today to make their like to to be more successful in life, to make their life better, to be more stoic? So um, I would say the single sort of easiest, most tangible things that I tangible thing that I would encourage people to do would be to journal. Um, I know it seems weird. You know, you think it's a diary. What's that going to do? You know. The stoic sort of exercise would be you'd, you'd sort of in the morning before you are thrust into the busyness of the day, you are sitting down and thinking about what you're going to face, how you're prepared for it, what you want to be intentional about, uh, what you're working on, you know, so on and so forth. And then at the end of the day, you want to carve out some time to reflect on how you actually did. Did you do a good job? Where could you have done better? Um, what can you continue to work on and improve? You know, what successes did you have? Um, what failures did you have? And so this idea of journaling, you know, what's so incredible about Marcus Aurelius's meditations is that it is not a book, right? It is the private journal right. of the emperor of Rome who never thought that what he was writing would ever be seen by another person. And so he would sit there and write these notes to himself because he lost his temper or because his health was failing and maybe he was a little bit afraid of what it might mean. Or, you know, he was the emperor and people were telling him that he was amazing and special and that he could do whatever he wanted and he was feeling tempted. You know, he he wrote in this book sort of affirmations and reminders about how to live up to the standards that he thought he should live up to. And this survives to us. And I was just reading 
um, Walter Isaacson's biography of Leonardo da Vinci, which mm. is spectacular. And he has this line in there and he was saying, it's amazing that the private notebooks and journals and sketches of a man who lived 500 years ago amaze and surprise us. And he right. says, your journals will do the same thing to your children and grandchildren, but only if you decide to pick up the pen and do it. And so I would just urge people to, like, we know, we know we would like to have a journal of where we were 10 years ago, right? Or of where we were last year, so we could mark progress, right. you know? But we didn't. So the second best thing we can do That's is that Chinese that, that Chinese um, uh, idiom. It's the, the best yes. time to plant a tree is 10 years ago. The second best is today. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so just start. And look, you don't have to be perfect at it. Uh, you can you can take breaks. You know, there's no right or wrong way to do it, except I think not doing it. And so uh, for, to me, it's it's almost impossible to make a distinction uh, between stoicism and journaling. Like oh. the philosophy, the philosophy is the act of writing it down and interacting with the material. So I would encourage everyone to obviously read some of the philosophy and, you know, or read my books or whatever it is, and then take the time to really interact with those words in the privacy of your own notebook. Uh, is there a particular notebook, like structured notebook that you like, or do you just think blank page, go for it? So I do three journals every morning. So I use one journal, it's called one line a day, um, where you just write one sentence. And so I write one sentence about the day that just went past. So I'm two and a half years in, so I can see where I was at this day, uh, last year. And then, you know, coming up soon, I'll be able to see where I was the year before that. Um, I also write in just a blank notebook. And then actually, as part of the Daily Stoic, we made a Daily Stoic journal that gives you a prompt or a question to write about in the morning and then to reflect on in the evening. So I think any one of those would work. But the bullet journal is great. You know, wreck this journal is great. Uh, a, a blank piece of binder paper is great. The note section on your iPhone is great. I don't care. Just do it. Just do it. Uh, if people want to follow up, where's the best place for them to do it? RyanHoliday.net is my site. You know, I think I'm at Ryan Holiday on pretty much every platform. And uh, yeah, um, the books are available everywhere books are sold. I will put a link to all of those things in the show notes, including to a handful of Ryan's books. Thank you again, Ryan, so much for being with us. I appreciate your wisdom. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening. That's it for our show today. If you enjoy Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast, go ahead and rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on all the platforms. Uh, and tell your friends about it. Start, you know, start sharing it all over the place. If you would like to follow up with us, tell us what you think. Uh, in a more intimate way, you can find us. We're always on John's Facebook page, facebook.com slash John Tesh. Uh, also on Twitter, at John Tesh, or on Instagram, at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at facebook.com slash Gib Gerard. I respond pretty quickly there, as well as Twitter, at Gib Gerard, and Instagram, at Gib Gerard. Links to all of Ryan's books, plus the books that we mentioned, are in the show notes, plus all of our social media pages as well as Ryan's himself. Ryan's Twitter page is one of my favorites. I also put a link to Ryan's Medium page. We talked a lot about Medium in the podcast and some of the essays that he writes there. You can catch that, uh, a link to his Medium page there. 
Is my mic still on? Holy moly, well, I, that I was have to amazing. Do the, I have to do that the housekeeping. Hey, listen, I just want to say one thing, and that is, hey, you folks may have noticed, there's no commercial. There were no commercials in this thing. So it's because sometimes we like to just do it and and be, you know, what what is it? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, with, without commercials. Uh, pro bono? <laughs> yeah, free. <laughs> we didn't want the distraction of commercials today. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I just uh, I'm a big fan of of Ryan's, and I'm a big fan of your yours, Gabe. You guys make a, guys make a good team. Thank you very much, and thank you guys so much for listening. And once again, to see us live, check us out at teshmusic.com.